We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Daymore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Saturday night after game four of Wolves Grizzlies. Wolves win 119 118. I'm joined by Kyle Tige, CandiceCoopers.com editor in chief. Kyle, where do we start here? Uh, we're, we're recording this right after the game. Should we start back at the You want to open your beer first? Okay, you can do that. Hey, Dane. Welcome back to the Wolves and Six podcast. I'm your co-host, Kyle Tsaigi. Uh, and let's just run it back to the beginning. Yeah, start at the top. Okay, let's start at the top. Cat, first possession of the game. I thought that was huge. Uh, he hits that three. Yep. And the subsequent possession, he draws a foul there. And I think, in my mind, that sort of set the tone of this game, of that one, it was going to be different. Carl wasn't going to be passive which I don't think necessarily really hurt them a lot in the last game. He chose to kind of be a passer, right, and avoid the double teams in that sort of way. But you knew right away in this game that that Carl was going to try and put a more personal stamp on this game. He obviously finishes tonight with 33 points, gets to the free throw line 17 times, which is more than any other time he got to the free throw line all season. 14 rebounds, handful of turnovers, but Carl dictated um, tonight in in the way that you would hope your best player would, and not a full referendum on on what's happened thus far in the postseason. But I think I would imagine, as a Wolves fan, you have to be very encouraged by that performance and what it did in an individual game. But also looking forward to these next three games of this series. I think this is the hope: is that you have this Carl Anthony Towns that's going to be dialed in that isn't a substantial risk to get in foul trouble and to just just to be the best player in the series like you think he is. I promised Dane's mom I wouldn't swear on this pod. Got a little aggressive after the playing game. But uh, I don't want to be dramatic, but it's like, I, honest to God, he hits that first pl- that first three, that first shot, and I kind of felt like, holy shit, they're going to win. I just did it again. Like, I honestly, it was just like, that was the biggest F you to just 
everything that took pl- place, deservedly so, since Thursday night. Thursday night and Friday were brutal for a young athlete, no matter what you think of that guy. It was brutal. I sat in my hotel room and I just watched Stephen A. Smith, Kendrick Perkins, Jay Williams. Why? Every, well, because the Westin has, the Westin and Edina has great cable TV. Like, it was unbelievable just one after another filleting that guy. Local, local media members tweeting about trading Carl Anthony Towns. Like, and again, he had a terrible, terrible game. But for him to come out in that first, he looked possessed. I mean, he just looked like a man on a mission. Like you said, he did have those six turnovers, but sometimes, like, and you know this, like, that doesn't always really matter too much. Like, he was just being uber aggressive. Everything was going through him. And while the six turnovers might be something you highlight, it's also like he had three fouls. That's yeah. huge, huge for him. And I, and I had said, again, I mean, Kyle, I mean, we've known this all series. They can't check Cat if he's not in foul trouble and he's not in his head. Like, you can't guard him with one. Steven Adams, Sia, they, they can't guard him with one. Xavier Tillman, like, you know, credit to him. I think he did a good job when they reached deep into the bag and guarded Carl with him in game two. But 90 seconds into this game, Tillman had two fouls on Cat. And this has been the story all year. Like, if Cat's right in his head and you're guarding him with one, he will kill you. And if you guard him with two, you can frazzle him, right? But what we've seen, and we saw this in game three, too, which everyone want to bag on that game. He literally, when he saw a double, he backed it out, passed it, passed it. It led to shooters on the perimeter. The Wolves have shooters around him. And so tonight, I don't think you saw as much of the passivity. But I think Carl in his head knows what this series requires of him, right? And and tonight, he just leaned into more of the individual part of it, which that is probably what this series requires from them. They're not, they don't got a lot of guys on this team who can like, you can expect to give you 30. If Carl's not in foul trouble, you should expect to give Memphis 30. I'm just raising my hand, <laughs> raising my hand here in Dane's apartment. Um, I told Dane pregame what I, I said, if Carl Towns plays 40 minutes, the Timberwolves are going to win the game. That's, that's what I said. But 42 minutes. And I don't that, that remember was, that, but sure. Okay, wow, dick. Like, all, all, all that was about is, like, if you keep your best player on the court for as many minutes as possible, you're going to win the game. And I think, you know, Carl has played now two of his worst professional games of his career. Hands down. The play-in game and game three. Those are two of, right? Those will go down as two of the worst games of his career. Play-in game, plays terrible. Next game, game one, 29-13, three assists. Game three, lousy, terrible. Four shots, eight points. Game four, 33, 14, and three. So you hate that there's those moments where he is playing so terrible, but for him, he's proven it now multiple times, and that's why it's like, listen, man, if you didn't buy the stock at the time, like, you're out, I'm sorry. Like, that this whole... This whole old wolves narrative just died on April 23rd in downtown Minneapolis. Like, it's hard to come back from what happened on Thursday. That was a crime scene. That was brutal. And they just didn't care. And I don't know if that's Chris Finch. I don't know if it's the team. I don't know if it's Pat Bev. I don't know if it's Carl. But the last 36 hours were some of the most brutal hours in Timberwolves lore. 
And again, they came out. It was another one of those 8-0 runs to start the game. That place was electrified. Those players didn't look like they just didn't care what happened in game three. And for them to flip the switch like that, um, it's, the, it's I've been saying it's the same thing that happened when they went down to Charlotte early in the season, got trounced by the Hornets. And the next night they beat the Sixers in double overtime. They go down to South Beach. They lose to Orlando in one night. The next night they upset the Heat in Miami. Like just when you have no expectations for this team, they prove you wrong. And tonight was the gold standard for that, for them to just be like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know a lot of people that thought they were going to win that game. Favorites, I think, in the playoffs right now are like 22 and five straight up. And the Grizzlies are minus three. Like, you you just don't do it. You just don't see a team do that. And they never, as you coined early in the season, they just never really let go of the rope. The Memphis tugged at it, but they just never let go of the rope. And it was impressive to see that type of performance in all four quarters, not just not just the odd numbered ones. <laughs> right. Um on the other side of the ball, you know, Cat has 33 for for the Wolves, but John Morant finishes this game with eleven points. Uh in the first half, he did not score until there's thirty-one seconds left in the second quarter. He had a bucket there and then, you know, tacked on two more free throws, I think, with like six seconds left. But as Chris Finch said after the game, that team goes as Jaw goes, and the Wolves did a good job on on Jaw the whole night of of making it so other guys had to beat them, you know. And and I I went I, after game one, right? It was it was the Jaw show where they just were, Stephen Adams was setting screen after screen for him, and Jaw was trying to split him and attack downhill. He gets twenty free throws in game one, and I thought. From the Wolves' perspective, that was okay because it didn't engage the Desmond Baines, the Jaron Jackson Juniors, the everyone else on the team. And then what happened in games two and three is you saw Memphis trying to spread the Wolves out a little bit wider, right? Where Ja is going laterally in the pick and roll, and he's trying to find the short, he's trying to find Brandon Clark, he's trying to find Tillman, whatever on the roll, pass to his shooters, find Bain. And I was going like back and forth in my head of like, okay. What's the best thing for the Wolves in this situation? What do you want Jaw to do? And but prior to this game, I was like, you know, if Jaw, if it's only going to be Jaw and it's going to be heliocentric him every single time, I think that's fine for the Wolves. But what we saw in this game was sort of the opposite side of that spectrum there, where they effectively took the ball out of Jaw's hands, and now Desmond Bain, you know, he had like thirty midway through the. He was awesome. <laughs> he but, was awesome. But again, if you, have, yeah, yeah. if you have Jaw out. That I guess that's what I'm trying to say is if it's just one of their guys, like the Wolves should be able to win any game in this series, right? If it's just Ja, if it's just Bain, if it's just Jerry Jackson Jr., who does not seem like he could be a guy in this series, but they need multiple guys in a game, I think, to beat the Wolves. And and tonight, by eliminating Ja in coverage or very much limiting him, I mean, he's still, I'm looking at it now, he's still at 15 assists. So some people probably listen to this like, oh, he didn't do nothing. But I think what Finch is saying by they go as Ja goes, is like, that's what happened in the season. He drives their offense scoring-wise, right? And and the job Patrick Beverly did on him when, when he was there, yep. or Ant when he had the matchup, I think... I don't think you can undersell how important that is against this Grizzlies team who, you know, they do their thing. They guard 
They play hard. They try and punish around the glass. They try and get on and run, but they don't have a lot of half court punishers, right? When we're guarding five on five, Jaws got to give you more than 11. And if the Wolves can, to some extent, scheme that out, it's not going to kill you if Bain has 34. It's not going to kill you if Brandon Clark is, I think he was seven of seven at, you know, some point of this game. Like, I'll be watching that in game five of, is Ja again willing to be a passer in that sort of situation? Because I think if he is, I think you're cool with that if you're the Wolves. Yeah, and you know, another, again, just I said this like 30 seconds ago, but man, Desmond Bain is awesome. Desmond Bain was so big. Um, Him and Dylan Brooks just hit just when you thought that the Wolves in that whole game of tug of war had just like finally grabbed the rope and pulled the flag over the line. Like Dylan Brooks hit a three late in the fourth and it was a six point game that had the trajectory of a missile and it touched the one banner that hangs in target center and then still went in. It was just bananas. Like those guys are gamers. And I think that's why Saturday night was so impressive. Even though you just, you know, beautifully articulated how John Morant didn't really have a good game. That Grizzlies team is hyped. Like that Grizzlies team is tough. And we can debate how even these teams are and fouls and how much Taylor Jenkins is going to have to Venmo the league. But like that Grizzlies team just doesn't give you games and the Wolves took it. And that's why it's like that old Wolves, new Wolves BS. Like the Wolves just took it tonight. And it was impressive. I think I was talking to Dave Benz before and like, I think the Grizzlies were 16 and one in games where they made more threes than their opponent. Like the Wolves also just sounds like a Dave stat. Yeah. Shot the shit out of the ball tonight, like 18 for 36 and three, but they just, I'm not trying to be like, well, I am a homer, but like, I'm not trying to like moral victories because my team won like Wolves back Wolves in six, but they just, they never, they never just, they had every reason and excuse in the franchise's history to just kind of just, roll over and die and they just never did that despite the fact that every time they punched the grizzlies in the face that grizzlies team man just kind of didn't didn't flinch so impressive impressive comeback and now i mean i know we have a thousand other things to go but like it's just a three-game series now it's just a straight up three-game series and i don't think a lot of people thought that was possible six hours ago but was that right to think i mean Game three, major warts, get a 26-point lead, blow it, get a 25-point lead again, blow it. But, and, and we can and should have highlighted those things in, in, in talking about game three, but what very much got overshadowed in game three by blowing the leads was the fact that the Wolves did play awesome for right. chunks of that game. Yep, And, you know, that I credit that to moral victory, whatever you want, but that should have been reason coming into this game, giving you the idea that this team can compete with Memphis. I don't, I don't know why we would have come into game four thinking that this wasn't a game the Wolves could win, right? Like they, I saying this for month, they match up well with that team. They match up well with that team. And that's not to say Memphis is a bad team. I think if they could have picked their playoff series, if we somehow did that with seeding, I don't think they would have picked Minnesota. It just, Memphis might still win this series, but 
very clearly the Wolves are going to make them work for it. I think we talked about this after the play-in game, but it's not prisoner of the moment. It's not being a fan that I am. It's just like, I think you now have to start to kind of turn the microscope on. Like we talked about how the Wolves are a year behind the Grizzlies. And then you being a basketball guru were like, I think they're like six months behind. And now it's kind of like, are they like three weeks behind? Cause like, they all played them for most of that game three and then they choked and they collapsed and they deserved all the heat that they got for 36 hours. But now you start to look at like, we have a four game sample of two and two in Memphis and Minneapolis. And you can just go pull all the nerdy stats online of four combined. Like these, these teams are playing really combined basketball. You know what I mean? Like John Moran struggled by his standards for at least half of these games. Like we don't really know who the best player on the court's been. We don't really know who the second best player on the court's been. Like, this is this is this has got to make you feel good as a Timberwolves fan or front office or as a player or whatever. It's like this team seems like they have something. They're they're legit. They have some guys off the bench. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about that can give you really good minutes. Um, and I just I mean, like I said, it goes back to like it's a it's a best of three series now. Like obviously the Wolves kind of gave up the rope of home court advantage, but. Um, I don't know how you could look at this now and not be like the only thing that Memphis has going for them is that they get two of the next three at home. Like what else, what other truly like I'm asking you as my, no, wizard, no. like what other advantage do they have? Yeah. I mean, and I don't right now know what the, the series odds are. I assume Memphis will be the favorite, but, but you're right. Like if you are saying that Memphis is the favorite, you are basing that off of, I think two things. One, they have the home court advantage. And two, to pick Memphis for the rest of the way, you would be betting on the Wolves kind of losing their head in, you know, the majority of the final 12 quarters that we have for this series, right? And and I think you can look at it the other way, look backwards on this series. We played 16 quarters right now. And, and how many of those would you say that Memphis is, dominated or even one i mean less than I, half yeah yeah i would say less than half for sure right and and no not part of that's on minnesota if you've won 10 or 11 of the quarters of the 16 maybe you should be up 3-1 in the series but it's 2-2 they've won i don't know what the the point totals are quarter by quarter but how many bad quarters have have the wolves played obviously in game three they Two and four, yeah. Yeah, Second two and four, and four, a little four, yeah. hangover there. They lose game two by 28, but I don't know. I mean, it just, even in the games they've lost in this series, you've seen what we knew coming into this series, which is that the Wolves have a strong defensive matchup for John Morant in given their scheme of bringing Cat up to the level, forcing it out of his hands. Isn't, it, it's just not his skill set to be able to punish that with three-point shooting, all he can really do against the Wolves' coverage is try and split that and get downhill if he wants to score individually. So we knew that coming into the series, that they have a good counter for Ja individually. They've executed on that. And for Memphis to win going forward, they're going to need the home court advantage. And I just think they're going to need a lot around Ja. And I think they Memphis has a lot around Ja, but not necessarily a lot of scoring 
around Ja. It's Bane. I mean, Jackson Jr. has been awful. He, he fouled out. I mean, he has 20 fouls in the first four games, and I think he has 14 made shots. Like, is that that's, bad? <laughs> that's supposed to be your guy. I mean, Everyone wants to bag on, you know, Carl for getting addled and the, the foul trouble and stuff. Jaron Jackson Jr. has had just as many foul trouble problems throughout his career as Cat has. And it's been more egregious in this series than it has from Cat. So I just, I don't know. If Memphis wins this series, it will require, I think, at least two awesome John Morant games. And I struggle to would struggle to bet on that given how I've seen them the Wolves effectively guard him through these first four games if I was Zach Lowe and I had no skin in this game it just goes back to like the problem if you're Memphis is that I saw I saw something that was like dating back to 1984 like five seven seeds have made it past the first round so that's a lot of seven seeds that didn't right like that's over 30 years of data the longer this goes on the more house money this is for the Timberwolves. And like some of the things that you thought coming into this, like the Grizzlies had this playoff experience edge was well, like, no, they don't. They have like seven more games. Right. And the number one guy in terms of playoff experience can't play Steven Adams. Like he just can't be on the floor. The Wolves, number one guy with playoff experience, 59 games coming into this. Patrick Beverly is a key cog in what they do. I don't know who the best player in the series is right now. Ja, I mean, even like you said, he had 11 points tonight, but he did have 15 assists. But he's clearly just either has something we don't know about an injury or he just is being stifled by the fact that Chris Finch is throwing multiple bodies at him and just walling him off. And they're making it hard for him. So it's like, okay, so Memphis might not have the best player in the series. I don't know who the best... I don't know if Taylor Jenkins is the best coach in the series. I mean, right? Like, I don't know what would make it that he's better than Finch. Um... So again, it's just like this, it's this boxing match analogy of like the more rounds this goes and the Grizzlies had this belt that they won from jumping through tables, like you got to start to get real nervous because again, like the Wolves aren't supposed to be here. And I know that doesn't, people don't like the sound of that, but it's like, dude, 33 and a half wins, preseason projections. Like this team's not supposed to be 2-2 with a team that was favored to make a run. And like now they're on the ropes. And that's that's got to scare you if you're Memphis because you, I, I don't. Other than that home court advantage, I saw on on DraftKings, I think Memphis is minus three twenty to win the the series. Still, it's a grab. Still, after, right now, right now, according wow. to my friends at DraftKings, uh, please send me some free bets. Um, and the Wolves are plus two thirty. Like that's aggressive to be minus three twenty in hmm. a in a in a series that's like yes, you get two of the three at home, but. You know, what else do you got? I mean, you're, you're, you're two right now is Bain and Morant and, you know, Minnesota's two is Ant and Carl. And like, that's pretty bleeping even like, you know, I'll, I'll take my chances with those odds of plus 230. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you. Let's uh let's fix in a break here and then we'll uh we'll come back. We haven't even touched on the the environment at Target Center. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin. <laughs> A whole bunch of things down the the rest of the roster. Um, this was obviously an impressive performance both from the Wolves. We'll be back with Kyle here in a second. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back with Kyle Teige, Canisupis.com, discussing game four of the Wolves-Grizzlies first round playoff series. Wolves win this one, 119 118. Kyle, I'll give it to you. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Jordan McLaughlin or just the environment at Target Center tonight? Let's wrap up with fanalytics. Um, let's go to J- I mean, J- Jordan McLaughlin, dude, was batshit crazy. He never missed like that. That his Chris, when I watched Jordan McLaughlin hit three after three and make play after play. I had to, I remember way back last summer, summer league, you had interviewed um, Finch and he should not be named. And they hadn't re-signed Jordan McLaughlin yet, but Finch had like made a comment or two about like having J-Mac back and they hadn't even like re-signed him yet. He just kind of got like an early tell that like Finch just loved having that guy on the roster. Um, he, I mean, as good as Carl was, like, like, you know, let's give him his flowers. They never win that game without Jordan McLaughlin. That's what Anthony Edwards said after the game. <laughs> he was he's only answering questions about J Mac. Go watch the film, USC. Uh he was he was incredible. And it, it it's a really fun series. There's so many narratives that we don't even really get to get into because there is such I mean, this is the listen, man, hands down, this is the best playoff series right now going. Uh, but there's just so many little little dynamics, right? Like there is, we don't talk about it enough, but like there is the Patrick Beverly for Wancho and Jarrett Culver trade that like has fueled some of this. But then there's also the the Jordan McLaughlin, Tyus Jones angle, right? Like those two guys, like Tyus was in Minnesota. They let Tyus go. They replaced him with what I coined as generic brand Tyus Jones. Like Jordan McLaughlin was massive tonight. He outplayed anyone on the, on the Grizzlies bench. He was the best Wolves. I mean, the Wolves didn't get a lot from their bench tonight. Like Jaden McDaniels was, had a tough night. Nasri didn't score in five minutes. Malik Beasley didn't score in five minutes. Tayshon Prince, or uh, Tayshon Prince. I was thinking of Cat. Uh, Torian Prince had three points. Like, McLaughlin was huge. 16 points, five or six shooting, four for four for three. Like, they probably, um, don't you, like, do they lose well, that game played, without him? He played 14 minutes in the game. They won those 14 minutes by six points. The other 34 minutes of the game, they lose by five. And what? And after the game, Finch, like, Finch admitted it. Like, why do you think, like, why did he not play in game four or game three? I think it was, I, I mean, the Pat Bev going at jaw thing was working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In in the beginning, for sure, the first half of, of game three. And I think, 
I, I mean, Pat Pat might have had like 10 shots in the, in the first half effectively. So, and so like, I don't think people totally understand this with Finch where like, Oh, who are you going to play? What adjustments are you going to make this and that? Like what they do is they have like a very loose outline of who is going to play. Like, for example, Jalen Noel didn't play at all in this game. I guarantee you on Micah Nori's little sheet of paper that has the rotations on it, it was not ruled out to not play Jalen Noel. Their strategy, and and at Finch said after the game, he goes, sometimes you do stupid things when he was asked why McLaughlin didn't play in game three. But that's what that's how they've handled the rotation the entire year. I guess that's what my point is, is that they feel that they've got 10, 11 guys who can play in the rotation and that inherently makes a couple of guys like J-Mac or Jalen Noel fringe players, right? But it doesn't mean that if they get 14, 18 minutes of time that they can't be, you know, a needle mover. And we've seen that, like, I'm, <laughs> I wonder how many people just turning on ESPN tonight or Richard Jefferson calling the game even knew who Jordan McLaughlin was. Like, because this is the player he's been all year. I mean, the majority of the season is somebody who delivers in almost this exact type of way where a game ends and you look at the box screen and you go, oh, okay. Jordan McLaughlin led the team in plus minus again in 16 minutes play. This happened all year. He, His brand of basketball at the point guard position really fits this team because your other point guards or your other guys who initiate the action – D'Lo, Ant, and especially Pat Bev, they put they initiate offense slower, right? That's just that's like their natural mean. And J Max is the opposite, where he is constantly looking to put pace into the ball. And given the strategic way that Chris Finch put this team together and put the defense together and the offense together, this team feasts on speed, right? And and with J-Mac, it's not a lot of like, okay, top of the key, crossover, crossover, somebody set me a screen, do that. No, he just gets you the ball into the half court faster than any of their lead guards do. And a key to the Wolves offense all season, certainly tonight, go back to Cat, do everything faster and you have a better chance of winning. Like, that's how your team's built. And so that's why, that's why J-Mac works with this group. You know when you pull up to LA Fitness on a Saturday morning and there's like 60 dudes and like playing ball and like you get out on the court and your team gets run and now you have to wait like four or five games to get back on the court and there's just like, okay, I have to like make an impact now because I waited an hour to get on the court and if my team gets run first to 15, like I'm going to be off the court. I'm really curious where this is going. Do you know how hard it is on the biggest stage to come out and do what he did after just not playing. Right. It's insanity. Like it really, and then going like, and, and Ant said it after the game. And I thought it was really cool because Ant was on one, but he, he made good, on one. he made good points though. He said, and I've been blessed enough to now be going to these games and getting there three hours early and watching pregame warmups. Anthony Edwards said, Josh Okogie and Jordan McLaughlin, are the best teammates I've ever played with. Yep. Jordan McLaughlin doesn't make what Anthony Edwards makes. He doesn't make what D'Angelo Russell makes. For him to stay being a professional 
and to stay ready. Like I don't even there's there's no words really to come up with. It's just like <laughs> it's impress it's 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 beyond impressive of like again, he he won them the game. He won them the game. He is a stable, like really poor man dollar store Chris Paul in terms of he just he leave he leads men on the court and he's just stable. He's just calm. He makes these little plays. Um, he had two steals that were kind of timely. Like he just knows what to do, man. And like I just think of any job that anyone listening to this has, if you're just like, hey, we're not going to need you for the next 10 days. But on that 11th day, can you like kind of be the most badass person at your job? Like, that's really tough. It's really tough for me as a podcaster when Dane has me on once a month, like to not lose my mind. Like Dane, it's, it's, it's incredible. And I think, I don't know if we're doing forgotten star, but he was the forgotten star of the season, forgotten star of the night. Like that dude was impressive. And it was really cool after the game to see like, there's always like that, Twitter thing of like a podium game. It was really cool to see how much Ant just wanted to be like, yo, give this guy the attention and how chill Jordan McLaughlin was because that was Jordan McLaughlin's moment. This was the, this was a career night for him. Like, I don't know point wise it was, but this was the best night of his career. And that dude just reeked of humbleness. Like he just was like, yep, I'm cool. Like I just, I just, I step up right. I, I come in when, when Finch needs me. Um, and if he doesn't need me, like I'm just supporting my guys. Like I, the utmost respect for a teammate like that, because it's more than just your starters. It's more than just your max guys. Like this is three, one going to Memphis without Jordan McLaughlin. I'll take the fan part of it. Um, because I'd said, and I didn't mean this obviously in like any sort of derogatory way. Um, but game two in Memphis was not very lively in, in, in yep. the environment at the stadium. And you know, and I, I left that game being like, well, game three, like target centers, you know, gonna be insane, right? And I didn't think it was, and I think uh, honestly, a lot of that had to do with like this whole series has had a bunch of fouls, bunch of reviews, the you know, the wolves go up by twenty, they go back down, and and there there was something about that that I felt like was a little bit harder for the fans to latch on to in game three. And then tonight, you know, you got a bunch of fans who were at the twins game before having a couple beers Shout or, out to the twins, right? Like whatever it was. And, and I said this after game three, when I was like, ah, I don't think it was that like wild and target center. It was like every bit as wild tonight at target center as, as I hoped it would be. And, like this team is young. Like we forget sometimes that like Jared Vanderbilt's twenty two years old or Malik Beasley's twenty. I'm drinking a Bud Light and legally, wink, wink, can't. Like, right, it's crazy. And and it's you know, there's a million different X factors in series, and we can talk up and down about you know the counters and adjustments and all this and that. But a huge part of playoff series is just being at home. Like right, it is. And, and tonight, like you felt that right away and there wasn't the dip in play from the players, right? Where they got up big early in this one, but in, in game three, it kind of like cooled off the energy sustained the whole time. And I thought the environment was incredible because it matters from a basketball standpoint. It's mattered the whole year. It mattered at the beginning of the year when nobody was at the games 
that hurt, you know, and I understand by why nobody was there, right? They weren't a, they were a team with super low expectations, but Delo says his quiet ass fans comment totally. I was like, okay, that's a weird comment, but it totally worked. And you come back from the all-star break. They played Memphis the first game out of the all-star break and busted them. And it was crazy. And, and on, you know, on through the whole post all-star break of this season, I don't know that that stuff matters in playoff basketball for sure. But my sense is it means even more for a team, you know, that starts a 20 year old in Anthony Edwards, that starts a hothead in Pat Bev, that starts Carl Anthony Towns, whose emotions are over the place, starts Jared Vanderbilt, who is an energizer. But like it matters. It, it, I don't know how you can't watch this game or this series and not say that it's a, that it's a huge factor. And I will say going back to Memphis for game five, like they're not going to have the same home court advantage in game five that the Wolves had tonight, or they're not going to have the same home court advantage that the Wolves will have in game six. And I don't know how to quantify that exactly, but when you're at the games, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this were, you feel it, right? You, you, you feel it. And where we're fortunate to sit by the bench, like, the players are like smiling, you know, and absolutely. it's absolutely it it, 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 it. I don't know. I don't know how many times I can say it matters, but I think it matters. Well, hey, on behalf of the fan base, we forgive you. <laughs> no, I mean, it was and, you know, I, I thought you took some stupid heat for whatever you said in your game three pod. It was awesome. But like, I think I think what you try to say, and I totally agree with you. Like, I thought I haven't been able to come back for any regular season games this year. Um, The play in game was the loudest atmosphere I've ever heard. It was the loudest of the season in my from where right. I sit. Yeah. So I think if it was 160%, game three was 120, right? You know, like it was just less. And that's, I think, what you were trying to get across. But game four, man, and that goes back to my whole RIP to the old Wolves thing. I don't know if it was a nine o'clock start, if it's a Saturday, if it was the first day in the 70s of 2022, whatever. Twins Fest would like, Game four was a 220%. Yep. And that what I'm, this thing I'm preaching about this old Wolves narrative is like, those fans never wavered. Never. There was like, these leads went to six or you no, know, to 13, and then they came down to four. There was just never fear. There was that never like, and, and anyone listening to this has gone to other sporting events of other teams and other cities. Like, you can feel it when the, everyone's getting really tight in the bottom section of their bodies. Like you can feel that. And that didn't happen tonight. It was just, and then it goes back to like this, almost not, not cockiness, not at all, but like just this confidence of like the things we've been talking about all year for seven, eight months is like this. I think people believe that there's a, a structure being built that's going to be long lasting, right? Like this isn't, as I've referred to it inappropriately at times, like this isn't the prostitution of the Tibbs year where they sold their souls to go five games. This is the greatest Timberwolves season in the last 18 years. That also, like the Tibbs, Jimmy Butler stuff always a race tonight. This team's going to make it to six games at least in the playoffs. And a lot of it, man, a lot of it. As a fanalytics guy myself, like a lot of it has to do with Target Center being, I don't know how else to say, batshit crazy. And it's awesome. People are awesome there. Should we talk about the protester? Yeah. What was your angle for that? Like how much 
we I were in different such sections. a good angle. I had such okay. a good angle. Like, do you remember all? I had two thoughts when I saw it. Well, three thoughts. One, I was just like super. Again, we should not be putting players or people at risk. Um, I don't want anyone to get hurt. Uh, now that I've said that for legal purposes, thought it was awesome because I was like, okay, cool. This the wolves never lose when wild shit like this happens. Um, I also thought randomly of the hit stick and Madden from a couple of years ago because <laughs> the security guard just, I think uh, his name was Pierre, like shout out Pierre, by the way, this podcast is just for you. Um, but it was just, it was just crazy. It was crazy again, because also too, it wasn't one of these things where someone ran on. Like I saw it, I was sitting diagonal from Dane at Target Center. So I had a really good view of it and someone jumps over Becky Taylor and they're on the court now. It's just pandemonium. And you didn't know, like, did it get worse? Did what happened? I see assistant coaches out there. Michael, Michael Norrie's out there, like, essentially it, it pinning was, someone. Um, it was legit uh, scary at, from, from where I was. It was right in front of me. All jo- and all yeah. jokes aside, it was like. Oh, it was like- really concerning the the second person part of it. Because whatever, he hit sticks the person lady yeah. who went onto the floor. But then there was the other lady um, there who was like filming or something and and there was like a weird minute where like she was holding something and not obviously in hindsight it was a camera but like the way everybody took to go get her was it was like a pile of people right who who went on her which you know in just a moment of chaos like that you're like you don't know what's going on but it's it's scary, by the way, because 10 seconds of real me, like, it's pretty effed that this keeps happening because I love to take anything I see with my own two eyes and make a joke about it. But it's not going to be funny if, like, something happens to a player <laughs> or, like, or anybody. Fan, like, and or anybody. So I, when, like, the game ends and all the chaos happens and people are, you know, whatever, like, I'm trying to sprint behind into the tunnels of Target Center because I got to get to media stuff. And like, I just literally was, I told this before, like I was walking behind Glenn Taylor and Becky Taylor. They had four security around. I'm like, they're pretty flummoxed. <laughs> and I think that's kind of scary. <laughs> like it just, I, it was a scary moment. Like I, the glue girl thing was kind of funny because they caught her right away and it was kind of safe. But this one is like, they were sitting behind Glenn and Becky the whole time. I know. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, again, I love to get a good joke off, but like, we're starting to edge a little too close to like, and again, I don't know if it's because every media meal is chicken, but like, it's just, we just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's been three straight meals of chicken. And it's like, I don't know, like, did Glenn provide that? But we just, as Ant said after the game, he, you know, he's the calm, cool, collected one. We can't be doing that in Minnesota anymore. We can't do it in Memphis, but we can't be doing that in Minnesota anymore. So it was a scary, it was a scary moment because it was the biggest, like it had blown up the biggest of the of the incidents right right well and i'm not sure how much this is even out there but there was an attempted protest in, in game, in game three, three. Yep. that yep. they that they stopped before they they got on the floor so it's it's literally been every game of the series right and it's i want to give a shout out to all my friends who have to do security because like where dane and i sit in these media sections it's like we have credentials that say media but then there's all the people that sit courtside or in the first couple rows for the Lexus courtside club and they're having drinks and having a good time. And I've been in that position before. Like, you know what I don't want to do? I don't want to show some security person my bracelet because I got my 
Gucci robe on. Like they're in a tough spot of trying to manage all these people that are like probably pseudo celebs or A Rod and his girlfriend, all these people. And like, I'm not gonna ask about the Gucci robe. You're just you're just trying to like do your job, but also not offend really rich people. But just like you're in a tough spot, and it's just for it to happen for the third game and what third in the last four times. And we heard about game three that it kind of got kind of stifled right before it happened. Um, it's scary stuff. Um, again, the, the the real person in me is like, let's just not do that. Like, let's just have like a vegan meal for game six. I'm down like impossible burgers, whatever we got to do. But uh, it was it was scary. But again, it's got it's F that like it also kind of again reset them like the, the broken computer analogy I use like. They kind of went on a run after that again. So, like the the fan in me is like, listen, please could don't really protest. A, please don't really protest. A protester during to start protesting again. Yeah, the, I wonder if that protester was going to come out during the middle of the twenty one zero run of Game Three. That would have been very helpful. I've been saying that if if we're if everyone if we're just getting a bunch of people who hate Glenn Taylor to go on the court, like we got to get KG for Game Six because at <laughs> least he's not going to get arrested. Like he'll be, they'll let him on the court. So uh, it was crazy. Uh, this one was scary because of the location. I mean, you were in Memphis when it happened. That was like, I felt maybe the tamest person was just like chained to the stanchion for a while and it was chill, but this one was kind of scary. And I don't know, man, me and Glenn Taylor don't text a lot, but like it, it, it was just scary to see people be like really concerned because again, I like making jokes, but <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Like if someone gets stabbed or hurt, like that's not funny anymore. And no. it's really serious. And we're getting really close to ramifications. Yeah. Like we're getting really close to like, they're not going to let blog boy Kyle walk across the court with his media credentials. They're just going to throw him in the upper level. Like we don't need to have other fans who are all the fans are good. This is some randos. No, like, these are not fans. Right, exactly. These are but we don't want the fans to this get is, this hurt is a, by it. This is a protest group from California called Direct Action Now. This is what they do. They are not Minnesota Timberwolves fans. And it's they're there, they're spending money to fly here and do this and you know, and make a scene. And honestly, probably so people like us talk about it or tweet about it or write about it or or whatever it is and yeah, I'm personally kind of ready for it to be done. And like, let's just we, we, we've done it four or five times. Like, let's just do they, it. Let's yeah. just do a playoff series now. They heard there was a they heard there was this playoff series with a lot of fouls and they wanted to be a part of it. <laughs> That's a bird joke. Um, can we can, I don't know if we got to go a break, but can we talk about and quick? Yes. Yes. Let's wrap with that. I went out to brunch with Jack Borman, Michael Hagan, and Jake Kelly on, on Saturday morning. And we kind of all, we had an epiphany. We had some mimosas. We kind of came to this conclusion that no matter what happens Saturday night, it can't be worse than Thursday. And we kind of all put our hands in the middle like the Power Rangers, and we agreed, and it was over. So that's, that was my mentality going in. It's like, no matter what happens tonight, like it can't be more gut-wrenching than what took place on Thursday. That was like the single worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And then Ant gets the ball in transition and dribbles twice and stops dribbling and holds his right knee. And I was like, oh, shit, it could get worse. Right. Yeah. What was what was your I mean, you had a better view of it. What was like your take? You saw him come over to the bench. You're on that side. I'm on the other side. Like, what was your thought when it happened originally? 
it's the exact same thought I have every time Carl crashes the floor. He's going to be okay because now I've oh, wow. because now I've seen it happen so many times where it's and I know when Carl crashes the ground and doesn't catch himself with his wrist like it, it goes down and he gets back up and with Ant what I think is happening is he's been injured so few times in his life that when he has a pang of pain it's very disorienting for him like he's 20 years old so he has not had injuries in his life. So I don't know. I mean, was it the patella tendinopathy acting up? Was it was it something else? I don't know. But I've seen this enough times where Ant has to leave the floor. He, he, same thing happens every time. He crumbles right in front of the bench right there. And you're like, oh, no. Like, is this Zion 2.0? And it's not. It's not. He goes into the locker room and he and he comes back every time every time he's he, he's come back so i i'm not saying like there isn't a element of like fear and concern that's justified there but i think in my opinion it has struck me all season as more of a ant being confused by pain than ant actually being injured and brilliant brilliant analysis really and it has nothing to do with like ant being soft or any of that stuff i just think going back to like how we talked about how he hasn't played a lot of basketball prior to joining the timberwolves right like he didn't he had a quick stint with the georgia bulldogs and then he probably played a handful yeah, of AAU games like first five postseason games of his life as a 33 year old whose worst injury has been a sliver and they, they still bug me like um i just i think it's okay to say that Two things. One, I would love to adopt Anthony Edwards. I love him that much. And two, I think he has a weirdly low pain tolerance. Like when, because when it happens, like when, when he gets hurt, it's just like not even like, hey, can I like dribble to the sideline and call a timeout? Or can I like, if I'm on defense, can I like limp over and foul someone? Nope. The whole show stops. <laughs> like just completely just walks off the court, like some weird pickup basketball shit. Like, it was scary when it happened because, again, the worst thing is, like, when he bumps knees, you're like, oh, okay, you bumped knees. When he just turned and started dribbling and it was non-contact, yeah, that, was was like, that was a little odd. Um, we also probably should have asked him about it post-game, but he was told us he's he only was taking on questions about Jordan McLaughlin. High on life. Um, so, no, I, I just think, again, you, you've made reference to this multiple times all season. Like, the dude has played so much basketball. Um, I also think, too, like in a football analogy, we're at a point now in the season where everyone's hurt. Or no, or no, yeah, everyone's hurt, right? No one's injured, yeah. but everyone's hurt. Like, everyone's, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't know anything, but like, I don't think Torian Prince is 100%. But that dude's tough enough. Like, I just think everyone's got their stuff that they're dealing with. And Ant's, the best thing for Ant right now would just be three months of video games. Like, just don't let that guy jump around ever again, let him hang out with his dogs. But it was scary. It, it was, it was, and again, this like whole thing going back to fanalytics and this team and the resiliency, he left and I thought that was it. Mm. Like I was ready to put asterisk on the playoffs, like whatever, like, and I'm pretty sure they went, the Wolves went on an 8-0 run as soon as he subbed out. They brought Malik Beasley in who didn't score, but like they just, it was that next man up mentality and they, they kept it going and then the loudest moment of the night, and that was really cool, and I, I know you tweeted this out, like the loudest moment of the night 
was when Steven Adams checked into the game, not because we knew we were about to burn Steven Adams' ass, but because <laughs> Anthony Edwards had walked back from, sprinted yeah, 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 back yeah. from the tunnel. And it was like Paul Pierce without a wheelchair. And it was just like this. When he came back, that I knew at that moment, live betting, like, okay, this team's going to win. Because that place, if we're talking about fans and how loud the targets are, it was never louder than when Anthony Edwards ran through the tunnel and got ready to check in. Um, and it's huge. I mean, you know, like, it's huge that he's not hurt. Because um, that would have been a disaster. That would have been Wolves' stink on this franchise. And, um, and he came back and played really well. Yep. He took one big three after another. Um, yeah, man, I, 24 points, four rebounds, four assists. He made four of the eight threes he took. And he wanted to guard Ja. Yep. He wanted to guard Ja. He said, put me on the best player. I want that challenge. Um, and I just think this might be something we have to get to used to with Anthony Edwards moving forward a little bit. Again, dude's built like a brick shit house, But, like, I just wonder if he's just going to always kind of like, oh, this hurts, and now I'm just gonna sit down. And that's it is what it is. That's fine. I think he's just it's he's learning what injuries are or hurts mm-hmm. are, you know. And I think he doesn't know what injury. That's a great point. Yeah, you great yeah. point. I, and so, I mean, you know, knock on wood, hope he never gets hurt. But uh, I, I, I just, I, I, I don't freak out at those things anymore because it's it's getting boy who cried wolf, but like in a good way, right. One last thing, because I know you went to practice or like to shoot around today, and I just I want like we'll finish it up with your basketball wizardry. Like Chris Finch acknowledged today at shoot around that he kind of made a mistake by not calling those timeouts. Yep, he called a lot more timeouts today. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did I? I not getting super X's nose, but like I on I I thought he coached his ass off. Yeah, I mean, and I. Just my personal opinion. Um, I don't think like timeout usages by coaches are all that. Like I and and Finch when he did acknowledge he should have called the timeout. In that answer, he also said, "If I called the timeout, would that have for sure stopped the run? I don't know." What happened the night after the Wolves? <laughs> allowed a 21-0 run without calling a timeout was the Atlanta Hawks allowed a 21-0 run without, you know, calling a timeout there. So, and they won the game. It's just like, there's for sure such thing as coaching belt practice, particularly in the NBA playoffs. I just, I, my opinion is I think Finch has a very good feel for his team and, and that's not going to always be perfect. He made a mistake in that situation, but, any implication that um, anybody would come to me and say, hey, Chris Finch is stupid. Chris Finch is a bad coach. Um, I'm just not going to take that at all because you obviously haven't watched the Timberwolves play, which is all national media everywhere pretty much um, very clearly in, in this time. Like Chris Finch didn't call timeouts. Chris, Chris Finch made the Timberwolves this season – an above-average defense when that seemed impossible. Chris Finch made a team that has a weird-ass roster in terms of the positions players can play and the size of the players on their team can play. He figured that out to become a 46-win team and a team that is winning games in the playoffs. And that the group of dudes in that locker room all respect the hell out of him. 
So I'm I'm very aware that I'm preaching to the choir here, and I I know and and some Wolves fans were frustrated with Chris Finch, but Chris Finch is not stupid. Chris Finch is actually smart as hell, and and even the smart coaches, you know, make some mistakes time to time, and then a lot of times the smart coaches bounce back from those and coach a really good game the next time. And I'm I'm with you 100%. They've had a hell of a game plan for John Morant. As Chris Finch said, Memphis Grizzlies go as Ja goes. And they've limited him. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Finch is a good coach. It's not like that's not up to debate in my mind. Jay Williams called him the dumbest coach in the league. I believe someone on TNT called him stupid. Local and nationally, uh, he was ripped apart. Fans were mad. There were 15 people who had, didn't have a bad thing to say about him and didn't care that Chris Finch didn't call timeout. And that was the Timberwolves roster. They embraced the fact that their coach empowered them to try to figure it out on the fly. And I think that you said it better than I did. But like, the 21-0 run was the player's fault. And, and Kristen I, said, figure it out. And there was not a guy on the... Anthony Edwards wasn't doing his famous thing looking at the sideline saying, hey, call a timeout, right? <laughs> yeah, right, like, right, right. They, they had, they, that, again, that, like, the way Chris Finch handled Friday, I don't, I don't really think they practiced much. Maybe they watched a little film. Like, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't practice. And that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think that got lost in the sauce a little bit. Like, Chris Finch didn't wake up Friday morning and be like, hey, we're running a ton of sprints. We're going to watch <laughs> the film. Like, Chris Finch kind of did the Jimmy Butler, look at the score sheet, crumple that shit up, throw it over your shoulder. Like, right. That matters. Like, these are still human beings. These are a bunch of young kids. Like you said, they start 20-year-olds. They play 21-year-olds. They play 22-year-olds. And Finch took what was the lowest point in probably every one of those players' careers, Finch's career as well, um, and just flipped the switch, had them ready for game four, uh, 2-2, two, two, and now we head to Memphis for game five. Yes, sir. Um. I had you make some prize picks with Holy me. Holy shit, for this that's game. so hard. <laughs> oh my well, God. I, th- I actually, I don't know what yours did. I was terrible. I made five picks and went one of four. Kyle and I bet dinner on our prize picks tonight, and I went one and four. I picked multiple Beasley overs. Beasley did not have a good game or didn't even play all that much. I kind of shorted Carl, assuming it was more likely than not that he would get in foul trouble. That didn't happen. Took the under on three and a half, made threes for Ant. He hit four. The only pick I got correct was Jaron Jackson Jr. under 14 points. I thought Malik Bees would have a big game over 10 and a half points. I don't know if he showed up at the arena. That's a bummer. He had zero points. Uh, thought Carl would respond. That was like my one big thing. Yeah. Like if Carl was res- right. like going to respond again over 23 and a half points, hit that. Um, Desmond Bain over three assists. I was like, there. The only person that Desmond Bain assists is the rim because he puts the ball in it. He had four assists, so that sucks. Um, John Moran over 43 and a half points, rebounds, assists. He didn't hit that. Ooh. If my math adds 15, 8, that's 23. Hold on, guys. 11 oh, points. 36. Yeah, he didn't hit 43 yeah, yeah. and a okay, half. Okay, so you got um, So I'm one and three. And then Ant over uh, three and a half free throws. He took six, made all six, including some clutch ones down the uh, down. <laughs> so you won by also getting more wrong <laughs> two and three steak dinner uh not a big deal but no i mean it was just uh first of all price picks are so hard but use promo code dane to get a hundred free dollars that's what i did um 
it, it goes back to, like I said, I thought I thought Malik Beasley would have a big game. I thought Deal would have another big game. None of that mattered. It was the storyline coming out of the playing game and into game one was Carl Anthony Towns. Because no matter how much I love yep. Ant, he is their best player. And you know it. And everyone knows it. And you preach it. And he had the best game in game one. Carl Anthony Towns played like ass in game three. And I was like, I think that dude's going to respond. I think he heard everything. He came out like a professional basketball player tonight balled out and other than Michael Jordan McLaughlin he went crazy and he led them to and he put a stamp on it he said I might be the best player in this series and I don't think a lot of people thought that because I think a lot of people were like it's job and Carl was fantastic tonight he hit those two clutch free throws he said I was thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner um he was huge he was clutch he didn't complain three fouls um three fouls and now like I said like it or not, if you're in a taxpayer in Minneapolis or a taxpayer in Tennessee, pressure's on Memphis now because seven seeds don't do this. Prizepicks.com or the Prize Picks app. Um, like Kyle said, sign up, promo code Dane, $100 sign up bonus if you do that. I owe Kyle a $100 steak dinner. To be paid at a later maybe in Memphis if you're gonna are you yeah, you're gonna seven. Come. We'll do well when it goes to game All seven. Right. All right. Um, do you have any parting thoughts here on on this game, or 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 maybe the series going forward? Actually, that that's my question. You've said already here three games left. Memphis has two of those at home. Like, well, what's going to happen? What's it, again? Anyone who knows me, it's never about me. But I already had a flight booked for Friday, so like confidence meter on me coming back for Game Six was high before this game. Um. No, like I, I just, it's not X's and O's for me. It's just, I, I'm almost borderline in tears just being a fan covering this team and seeing how loud Target Center was, seeing how passionate and crazy that place was. And also, too, after the game, I met up with our friend Jake Scraffs a little bit. Um, downtown Minneapolis was a circus. Yep. It was Bourbon Street on steroids. Like it was bananas and just like these, there was those, things where you get in the thing with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and they drive you around in a little um, cart and it's led by a bike and these two people were drunk just yelling wolves and six like that that shit hit me in the feels like it, it, it it's cool to have basketball after easter in downtown minneapolis and to see what i think is biased but i think is the greatest fan base in the world for what they've had to endure and they're starting to reap some of the benefits. I hope everyone has a fantastic Sunday, a fantastic Monday, because again, all the pressure is on the on on the two seed now. Mm-hmm. Like you, you every time people want to count you out and throw you away and move on to the next round, this team, this fan base, this coaching staff, this front office, local media members like ourselves just respond and I, I thought it was awesome it was just a great night basketball ended at 12.05 a.m on a sunday sign me up that's awesome it's three or wait is that what time is it right now it is it is 308 a.m <laughs> my delta flight leaves in four hours but no it was it's just what i i told you before this is my last thing i told you before that like if they win tonight it's like my super bowl because i just wanted to as much as we talk about them being the grizzlies them being the grizzlies six months behind you're behind I didn't want them to be the Grizzlies this year. I didn't want them to win the game one and then lose the next four like the Grizzlies did against the Jazz. I wanted them to show a little more fight in a 
again prove everyone wrong. Everyone that wanted to trade Carl Thursday night, I wanted to prove those people wrong, and they did it. And we get in. We didn't know. We didn't know tonight. Tonight was the last game of Target Center yep. of the season, and it's not. And to me, that's banner worthy. <laughs> he's uh, he's Kyle Tige. Um, You can follow all of his writing over at CanisHoopus.com and the Canis crew over there. I will have uh, Britt Robson on the pod on Sunday afternoon. We'll uh, start looking forward, reflecting on game four, but also looking forward to uh, to game five. We've got a couple days here until we're back in Memphis. Um, I'll be there for, for game five in Memphis, and we'll keep... Uh, We'll keep rolling with the series and uh and 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 see where it goes. I mean, I just yeah. I've been saying this for a long time where it's just particularly, you know, now like working in the media space, you have like these interactions, emails, whatever, with with people you don't know. And but you could kind of tell they're like the people you know, right? Right. And um, I thought that was cool because I've I've sat at a lot of those games uh, where people have paid a hundred dollars to sit in the lower level and only to watch Andrew Wiggins and the Wolves get smacked by twenty four by the the Charlotte Hornets and and you know as I went into you know Target Center tonight and you kind of you know, like take it all in like to me that's part of the team like the environment the people and yeah i mean this is the 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 term woe be gone i feel like has been thrown a lot around with the the minnesota timberwolves and they were a woe be gone franchise and this series i think is making it so that is what they were right and and you have a coach who's like, fuck the past. You have Ant, who's like, fuck the past. Carl's like, I've been here. The past sucked. And they're moving in a different direction. I don't know what's going to happen the the rest of the series. Vegas says it's a 75% chance that, that Memphis wins it. But like, I don't know. Like the Wolves are, the Wolves are back to, to, you know, to some extent. And, and that's, I think that's encouraging and just as somebody who covers this team, it's, it's, it's fun. Last year was not fun. And, and, and this is, and I think everybody should players, coaches, front office fans, whoever, man, you should, you should enjoy this. It's cool to be a Tim Rolls fan again. And with respect to the players and the coaches and the front office and anyone who works there, no one deserves it more than Tim Rolls fans. And I really mean that. Amen. All right. Again, he's Kyle Tige at Kyle Tige. Follow him on Twitter. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. I will talk to you tomorrow with Britt. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah. Green it all so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.